Should we pray? Lord God, just as we look at um, this topic of mission, Father, this morning, as we look at a few things from your word and listen to a few other voices, Lord, you would stir our hearts. Father, we know that mission is not optional. Sharing our faith, Lord, going into the world isn't something that we choose to do or we don't choose to do. Lord, it is a very clear command from your son before he left, almost his last words. Father, the church is on a mission. We're all on a mission. I pray, Father God, that this morning you would just open our hearts and stir our hearts, Father. Every great story of a man and woman that served you on the mission field, be it in this country or abroad, be it large uh, or small, Father God, starts with a call on their heart, one, Lord, that they cannot ignore. Father God, will you call us this morning? Will you call us to get out of our comfort zone? I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is Mission Sunday. Uh, Last week, in fact, was Mission Sunday as well. You could call this Mission Sunday 2.0 if you really want to, um, if you're so inclined. It's clear none of you are, but never mind. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So we're thinking about mission this morning. Uh, And I wonder if we actually ever think about mission uh, as Christians. When you think of your faith, when I think of my faith, do we think of it just as that? My faith, our faith, mine. Yet our faith, which is belief in the risen Lord Jesus Christ who was sent from his father to live and die for our sin to take our punishment to redeem us and rescue us from the kingdom of darkness this faith that we possess isn't ours and it isn't passive Jesus commanded his disciples to go into all the world and to preach the good news we are as Christians the ambassadors of Jesus Christ we are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to go before him into every situation this planet presents. Our mission is to go into the world and tell people that Jesus isn't just a historical figure, but he is a historical figure who lived and died and rose again, that he is the son of the living God, fully man, fully God, who died to pay the price for our sin, that there is a hope that goes beyond the grave. That is our mission to go before the King of Kings. And so what is mission this morning? Um, What is mission? Maybe if you're an older Christian, you may have grown up hearing that the mission field was something people went on. People go on mission or they go on to the mission field. You may have grown up hearing that term. And maybe uh, a few years ago, the church had a slightly wrong definition of mission. I think years ago when the church thought of mission, it traditionally thought of overseas mission, somewhere over there. You jump on a plane or a boat and uh, you go across to the other side of the world to some group that have never heard the name Jesus and you give your life for 20, 30, 40 years telling them all about Jesus Christ. That is, of course, mission and that is the mission field, understandably. We think of people like Hudson Taylor over in China, David Livingston in Africa, Gladys Aylward, Jackie Pullinger in uh, Hong Kong and many, many, many more people that have gone on this mission field in another country and served their king to reach unreached people groups. And whilst that is what mission is, it is most definitely something else as well. It is actually much wider. The church has widened its understanding of what mission is over the last 20 to 30 years. Because mission isn't just what a select few do in another country. Mission is simply put, sharing the gospel with the lost through the wisdom and the strength of our God. Sharing the gospel with the lost with the strength and wisdom of our God. Mission is the act of going out and telling other people the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And for those that hear the call of God to go, it is often a huge joy and a massive privilege, despite the cost. Only this morning, I was reading from Acts chapter 5 in my daily readings, and the apostles are dragged, some of them at least, before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin are jealous, they're threatened, because they're just preaching the gospel to anybody. They're telling anyone that will listen about Jesus Christ being the Jewish Messiah, being the one that was coming, being the one who rose again, who defeated death. They can't help themselves but be on mission with everyone they meet. They tell everyone they possibly can, regardless of the personal cost. The Sanhedrin, one of the ruling uh, religious class over in Jerusalem, are jealous. They're jealous because they're losing their stranglehold on the people because they're finding freedom in Jesus Christ. And they drag them in front of them. They threaten them. They say, better stop or worse. And as the apostles leave the Sanhedrin, we read in chapter 5 of Acts that they rejoiced because they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name, the name of Jesus, that is. Mission is a command, but it is also a massive joy. I heard a story of a missionary who in a former life had worked for an oil company. And when he was out on the mission field, an oil company, a global oil company that were based where he was, understood that he had quite a lot of skills that might be useful to them. And so they dragged him in, dragged him in they pulled him in for a meeting uh, with the board. And they said, come and work for us. We need you in this global oil company. And, uh, and they offered him a, a package with lots of money and he turned it down. And they thought, wow, who would turn this down? So they got him back in and they said to him, all right, fine, we'll double it. So they gave him more money and still this man refused. They thought about it, they couldn't understand what fool turns down this sort of cash. So they got him down a third time and they said, look, we want you. What would it do to convince you to work for us? We can't offer you any more money. And this is what he said, apparently. He said, I don't want the money. The reason I'm saying no is that the job you're offering me is just too small because he was a missionary for the king of kings and that job is just too big why would you suffer for something small when you can go and conquer the world for the god of who made it a great story so who is a missionary what is missionary is just telling people about jesus it's going off to people who've never heard and spreading the gospel who is a missionary uh, well there is no type of missionary there's no you can't look at someone and go oh yes you, you've got the missionary look not the london look the missionary look um i'm not quite sure what that would be um in the past people would have said oh yeah david livingston like i've said and people like that but our understanding of mission has deepened we're far more mission focused now in the church than perhaps we have been in previous years jesus commanded his disciples all of them even the one that doubted, even the ones that let him down when he was on the cross, he commands these apostles and all the others that were around them to go into all the world. In Acts chapter 1, he commands them to go into Jerusalem, which is their hometown, to go to their neighbors and their friends and their culture, the people they're most like. And then he says, go into all Judea, which is the surrounding area, not just the people you're nearest, but those who are kind of near, the next towns, the next villages, your whole country, national mission. And then he says, go into Samaria. Samaria, if you know the story of the Good Samaritan, is where Jews' um, their enemies were. The Samaritans and the Jewish people didn't like each other. So Jesus says, you've got to go and tell your nearest and dearest and those who are in your country about me and your enemies. But just when you think, that's enough, Jesus says, go into the ends of the earth as well. In Acts chapter 1, of course, Jesus tells us that mission will be powered by the Holy Spirit. 
We will be filled with the Spirit of God from on high. And that will be how we will be witnesses to this King of Kings. I heard a story about Jackie Pullinger who went off to Hong Kong to the walled city. She lived in the walled city for five years desperately trying to make a difference with all the terrible things that happened, the crime, the drugs, the prostitution. Five years of failure. Nothing happened. And then one day, somebody prayed with her and said, you need to be asking God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. You need to be asking God to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit, which she did from then on. And the rest, as they say, is history. Did you know um, that the Chinese church is sending missionaries into the Middle East the Chinese church sending missionaries into the Middle East because they know that missionaries coming from sort of white Europe, if you like, are not quite as well received as those coming um, from China and places like that. Did you know that some African nations and South American nations are sending missionaries to where? The United Kingdom. Ouch. Doesn't that make you think, ouch? Ouch. Not because there aren't people that need to hear about Jesus. But there's a well-established church in Britain. What on earth are we doing? Anyway, I could go off on a major tangent. Um, I heard my in-laws had a guy come from Peru to their church. And he was a missionary over in this country from Peru. And he gave her quite a, a, a clear talk to them. And he said, Britain used to be the root. You remember the missionary movement that sprang up a few hundred years ago. And so many good things happened across the world. And so many countries are grateful for the missionaries that left this country and went to parts of Africa and South America and Asia and all over the world. He said, you were the root. What happened to you? What happened to you? We can do mission, of course, in any country. You may go on a two-week trip to Scotland or, or Wales or the Midlands or anywhere like that. You may do a six-month trip somewhere abroad. You may go over to um, South America and help build an orphanage or help assist a church in its youth work or its ministry. You may give up your whole life and go on to the mission field for the King of Kings, like some people do. Think of the Cleavers. How many years have they been over in Novosibirsk? How many more would they stay there? I think forever. Because they've given their lives to serving God and being on the mission field. We could do something like DNA. Remember last week, Jess and Ross were brilliant and they came and spoke to us about what it is to serve in their local church through DNA. You could do that. You could serve in your church. Everything is mission. It is all mission. And we are all missionaries because God calls all of his people to preach the gospel. A missionary is someone who puts aside personal ambition and comfort to be a witness about Christ's death and resurrection. And I love that bit in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, when God stands and in a vision of Isaiah says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah is almost sort of jumping up and down, like, look at me, look at me. And he says, here I am, here I am, send me. I wonder when the last time any of us said, God, it's me, I'm the one you need to send. Send me, please send me. Almost begging. So who is a missionary? Every single one of us, every single one who knows the name Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour is a missionary. Now, I'm going to interview somebody. Um, it's like a break with tradition. Coral, opportunity knocks. Um, because mission comes in all shapes and sizes. We all do different types of mission. And I'm going to ask Coral just very, three very quick questions and, um, and she'll answer them. So do you want to hold that and I'll just do it. Should we do this way? Okay. Yeah, hold that. So um, Coral, you went, did a short-term mission trip. Do you want to tell us um, what you did? Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I ended up doing a DTS, which is through YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Um, 
I'd previously, the year before, been a holiday rep, so it's all very different, um, and decided, I think, in a, in a way, I was sort of doing a lot of escapism, <laughs> sort of running anywhere, sort of, to get away, and I had a lot of questions, I think. Um, so I ended up um, in Albania, and uh, which is a complete joke, because my mum went there for a day, and I just said, why are you going, you know, <laughs> I just thought, why would you want to go to Albania, but um, anyway, I, I had that given to me as my uh, chosen place to go, so I didn't really have much choice, but anyway, I thought, right, well, I've got to go, <laughs> so um, with the DCS, it's a, it's a year, and basically you have um, a placement where you go and do missions work. So I was out there doing um, Bible distribution to villages that hadn't even seen a Westerner, so you didn't know if they were going to sort of love you or kill you. Um, so sort of just carrying Bibles um, in our backs with, like, rucksacks and, yeah, just really hard work, actually, sort of two and a half hours through the mountains. Um, and then we'd come back and just put our feet up on the walls to try and get the blood back. <laughs> Um, but it was just very varied. I lived with a, an ex-communist family in the villages, um, and that was an experience in itself. But, yeah, I, I was just there, and God sort of really taught me a lot, actually, just about, you know, how much we take things for granted. And I, I really recommend anyone to do it, just because, well, for one thing, you'll never take what we have here for granted. Um, you know, sort of wild dogs chasing you to the toilet... Um, it was horrendous, it really was, if, I, if I've ever thought of hell, it'd be Albania, <laughs> but um, it, it was, yeah, it was a good experience, we did schools work, we went into the classes, taught them to sing Christian songs in Albanian, we had to learn the language to teach them, and that was it really, we were just out there to, to serve God and do whatever we need to do, really. And, and an experience that you're pleased you had? <sighs> Yes, but I wouldn't repeat. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's it, I think. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. People go on to short-term missions for all sorts of reasons, um, but there's always uh, experiences that you can't get anywhere else. Um, so what does a missionary do? Um, some of the things Coral's just said... It is part of a sort of mission work. It can be giving out Bibles, it can be working in schools, kids' clubs. But simply the main job is to proclaim Jesus Christ to all the nations. He says in Matthew 28, verse 19, go into all the world. Uh, a missionary is someone whose heart particularly is soft for people groups who are unreached. So we're all called to be evangelists. I hope you realize that. Um, I know there's a gift of evangelism, but we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to share our faith with people. Mission, I guess, is slightly different. We're all called to do mission, but the mission heart, I think, is something that is particularly soft towards people who have never heard the name Jesus, unreached people groups. And there are about, um, I think, 2,000 unreached people groups in the world at the moment. And an unreached people group is defined by a group of people with whom 2% or less are Christian. So if you've got a group of people that are only 2% are Christians, that is an unreached people group uh, for the gospel. Because these are people who have never heard the name Jesus, who won't have a friend who's a Christian, and won't have any churches that they can enter. And so we're called to go and reach those people. We're also called in the Great Commission to make disciples, to share Jesus with people, and teach them 
how to follow him, what it means to be a Christ-like follower. A mission comes in all different shapes and sizes. We've heard some of those from Coral, street evangelism, kids club, church services, you know, the old tin shack revival huts from years ago, practical help as well, uh, even the television. Uh, we always say the TV is the root of all evil and the tool of the devil, but in Iran, actually quite the opposite. In Iran, where it's very difficult to be a Christian and there's lots of persecution for those who are passionate about their faith and won't compromise their faith. Uh, There's a Christian satellite TV group called Sat7, which you may have heard of. I assume they're still going. And uh, and they put TV programs out on satellite TV. And lots of Iranians have access to satellite TV. And they reckon, um, certainly a few years ago, I don't know the current statistics, but they reckon thousands upon thousands of people had heard about Jesus Christ through Sat7 in their living rooms and actually become Christians and were able through phone numbers and all sorts to kind of link in with other people. How amazing would it be to be a part of something like that? But whatever the way we do it, the goal of mission is the same, to proclaim the love of God shown in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. But we can do mission in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And uh, Wendy's uh, turn comes now. When you ring people on Saturday and say, fancy coming up the front, um, the answer is always a an unqualified yes please um, isn't it Wendy <laughs> so there we are so but mission is, is different for every person so uh, uh, do you want to just ask all three questions and let you talk or one at a time one at a time okay so um, Wendy so you do something that's, that will come under that banner of helping God and, and mission and what do you do okay so um, last year just get where I am. So two years ago, sorry, I um, started helping out volunteering at the Winter Night Shelter in Bishop Stortford, um, <clears throat> which is, as it says, um, obviously a shelter over the winter months from December through to February for anybody who is homeless. They do have, there is a procedure. They have to sign up and um, be seen by other people before they're allowed to come on the evening. Um, I only help out for the evening shift. I um, go along from about 7 o'clock, um, turn the heating on, get everything ready, collect the dinner if it's been um, cooked by the people next door or otherwise start cooking it. Um, the guests come in from about 8 o'clock. They have a meal. There's shower facilities there for them, um, washing machines, tumble dryers, so they can have clean clothes. Um, then they... Get, start getting ready for bed. They've got mattresses, um, duvets. Some of them prefer to sleep with their sleeping bags. Um, yeah, and then the, evening, uh, the night shift come in at about 10 o'clock and they stay overnight in the little cottage next door. Um, and then at about 7 o'clock in the morning, they're all woken up, given breakfast, given a packed lunch if they want it. And then they have to leave by, I think it's by about half past 7 Um and lots of them do have to go off to work anyway. Um, others just go and hang around wherever they can um, until the evening. Question two. Um, so, so what made you sign up to help? Okay, so I'd been... I'd, stopped, I'd been um, a volunteer at Cubs for a long time, and I'd stopped that in the July. And I was kind of sort of thinking about what else could I do? Could I, is there anything else? And... I saw an advert in the local paper um, advertising that they're trying to... uh, the possibility of opening a winter night shelter. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I quite like that. I'll go along to the meeting. 
one of those meetings where you go along totally unprepared for any of it, had no idea what it was going to be. Um, didn't really know much about homeless people in terms of, I guess there was probably always a few in Bishop Stortford, I guess there are a few in Stortford not really in my radar, I don't go to the parks in the middle of the night, I wouldn't see them, then, you know, totally out of my radar. Um, so I went to this meeting, thought, yeah, it sounds really good. Please sign up um, with the hours and the days and the times and that you'd like to do. And you're like, okay, I'm not, not sure I'm quite ready for that, but I thought, no, go and do it, sign up, because if you don't do it now, you won't do it. So I signed up. Um, and I really feel, looking back now, that actually God was calling me to that meeting because there weren't many people turned up, not many people saw the advert. And I just think he was saying, you wanted something to do, you wanted somewhere to volunteer, go and try this. And one final one. Um, where is it? That's it. Um, having done it for a year and a half, I think you said, um, what sort of effect has it had on you? Yeah, I had to think long and hard about that. Um, Every time I help out, every time I get back in the car, I'm just like, I'm going home to a warm house, I've got a bed, I'm going home to somewhere that's safe, my possessions are safe, these people, obviously, their stuff isn't safe, they're um, on the streets, so it's kind of, it's had quite a big impact actually, but I did have to stop and think what that was, because I did take all these things for granted, that now... I just, I don't know, they're, obviously I'm far more appreciative, far more thankful for them. Um, and obviously I now have a far better understanding of, of homeless and many of the people that go there that, that have been there um, are homeless through no fault of their own. It's either through losing a job, through a failed marriage. Most of them are men. Um, and I just think through the grace of God really, we're not homeless, my family's not homeless, but actually it could so easily be any one of us. And that's really hit home because I always thought, I've got a house, I pay my mortgage, we're okay. But actually, lose a job, who knows what situation I'd be in. So it has brought me much closer to God, it's made my faith stronger. Um, and I do believe that God calls us to help others, to, to show our love for others. And this is just one way of me being able to do that. And lives are being changed through this homeless shelter. People are being given a roof over their head. It may be a room in a house. It might not be their own house, but it's still safe. They have a lock on their door. Um, and just by us showing our love for them, that they are worthy of that love, in the way that God shows us his love, I'm just passing that love on to them. Yeah, is that right? Thank you. It's brilliant to hear, actually, different types of ways we can serve God and have that sort of missionary heart. Um, so why do missionaries go? Why, why do you go? Well, the first reason, of course, um, obedience to the call of God. Um, Jesus made that very clear in the Great Commission. Uh, but we go because we believe God calls us um, to change lives. In Acts 26, verse 15 to 18, we read these words. Paul, uh, reminding people of his conversion experience, says this is what happened on the road to Damascus. He says, 
Um, then I asked, who are you, Lord? Because he'd never met Jesus before, and Jesus appeared to him. He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, as a witness of what you've seen, and you will see me, see of me. Sorry, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. A mission heart isn't just a heart to go off and have a nice few months away, as some sometimes cynically say. It's about actually going off to serve God any way we're called to see lives transformed. But mission is tough. Jesus in Matthew 10 says, if they hated me, they will hate you as well. Many people that heed the call lose their reputations. They suffer. Some people have even paid for their lives. Some people leave behind well-paid jobs, friends, and even family. But a true missionary doesn't fall into the trap of pride or self-pity, but delights, like those first century Christians, to be in service of the living God. And so what does mission do to us? What does going on mission do to us? Well, number one, it grows our faith. On the mission field, we partner with God. It's actually on the knife edge of sacrificial service that we see God most clearly. In comfort, we grow soft out and we become out of spiritual condition, like the proverbial boxer that doesn't know when to retire and keeps coming back for one more fight because he thinks he's still got it and then leaves humbled, wishing he'd just retired once. In service of God, our faith grows the most. And so this morning, we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Number one, is God calling me this morning? Not is God calling me to share my faith, because that's a resounding yes. Not is God calling you for some form of mission, because that's a resounding yes. But is God calling me for something specific? Second question is, will we pray the Isaiah prayer? Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. I put to you that that is the most dangerous prayer you would ever pray here I am Lord send me number three what mission opportunities are there for you could you do DNA could you do a two-week summer trip could you help at a local ministry like the tonight shelter or food bank or a holiday bible week could you say to me in this church here's three hours of my week for the blessing of this church and its ever forward movement could you say that that would be part of mission as well maybe you could contact operation mobilization or all nations and ask them what overseas trips you could possibly go on and there are many more opportunities out there and the fourth question is you need to ask where are the unreached people groups today are they necessarily a plane ride away are they the other side of the world what about those people that have come to this country fleeing places like syria fleeing places in the middle east even north korea perhaps some of those people have never heard the name Jesus and God has brought them to our front door they are an unreached people group is there a a housing estate somewhere that has just got people who have fallen on hard times and who are in all sorts of mess that have just never met a Christian could we go and meet with them what about our young people are they not an unreached people group I put it to you in fact that there is a generation growing up who don't know the name Jesus They do not know the name Jesus and they are a mess. They are broken and they are all sorts of fragile. 
There is a generation of young people who are an unreached people group. Could we go on mission to them? We are all on a mission. Tomorrow as you go to work, you go on mission. Tomorrow if you go to college or school, you go there on mission. If you walk the dog, because I know that's a separate community that I'm not allowed in, so I haven't got a dog. Um, That, you go on mission. When you sit at dinner with your family, you go on mission. So the question today isn't, is God calling me? Because he's always calling us. The question is, where is God calling me? And will I lay aside my ambition and my comfort to serve him. I'm going to play one video before we have a song. In the beginning, God created man in his own image. He walked with man in the cool of the Eden, but sin interrupted that union. So God created the missionary. God said, I need someone willing to say no to the status quo, no to the dream of wealth, leave their families to fly to a distant land and learn a language they have never heard, ride in cramped buses on backs of camels, someone who would sleep anywhere, eat anything, bear the heat, and fight the freeze with a smile on their face just to take the gospel to a people not their own. So God created the missionary. God said, because the harvest is plentiful, I need someone ready to sow the seed, to plow the ground, water the seed, and reap the harvest which is ripe someone to go and train, to multiply the crops, and to answer the call and pay the price. So God created the missionary. God said, I need someone who is a radical servant of all, taking the lowliest job, washing the feet of the poor, caring for the sick, and cleaning their wounds. I need someone to visit the prisoner, care for the widow and the orphan, to sit in the dust with a child and tell them that they are loved. So God made a missionary. God said he needed someone who would believe that blind eyes could see and lame feet could walk and that the dead could live again. Someone who would pray long hours and intercede through the night with wordless groans of petition so that one soul might be saved. God said, I need someone honest and brave, full of grace, mercy, and compassion, free from fear and passivity, walking in true identity someone burning with love and girded with truth, someone who radiantly reflects God's glory. So God made a missionary. God said, I need someone who would say yes before they were asked, someone who would go to distant islands, 
barren deserts, inner cities, closed nations, next-door neighbors, and prestigious universities to reach the unreached. Who would hike any mountain and endure any obstacle? Because how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? How will they hear unless someone preaches? And how will they preach unless they are sent? So God made the missionary. I want to encourage you to be radical. We're not going to do anything. Um, but it's so easy to fall into the comfortable retirement boxer type Christianity. And it's rubbish, actually. It's not very good at all. Um, it's not what God wants for us. He wants us to be dangerous and be radical and step out in faith. And some of you here, um, have you got mortgages, children, jobs, careers? And maybe you're thinking in your heart, That's, I can't give any of that up. That's not true. Maybe you're thinking I'm older and I'm past it. That's not true. Maybe you're thinking I'm too young. That's definitely not true. Maybe you're thinking, well, you know, maybe in a few years' time when I'm ready. That's not true either. Maybe you're just thinking I'm not spiritual enough, not Christian enough. I'm not the right kind of person. That's not true. The mission field simply is about responding to the call to go, not to be, but just to go. Maybe God may even call you to give up a well-paid job or a certain sized house or even a certain sized pension to do something radical for the King of Kings.